Okay, we are in lesson 13. We're going to look at Isaac today. This is our last week of Isaac. Next week, we're going to get into the next patriarch, which is Jacob. And Isaac, really, when you think about Abraham, he had a significant portion of Genesis. Then you think about Jacob, and then ultimately Joseph. He, they have a significant portion of of, of um of Genesis, Isaac really only has a small portion. Even though he's the child of the promise, we really know we only see him mentioned in a few instances. We've already seen that already, and so we're going to talk some more about it today. Uh, so first of all, we're going to look at chapters 25. We're looking at verse 12 through chapter 27, verse 40. And again, we're not going to read these passages because we would spend all our time here reading but we're just going to go through them because this is an, this is an introduction uh, to the Old Testament study that we're doing. So let's talk about Isaac first of all. In chapter 25, verse 12 through 18, you're going to see the genealogy of Ishmael. All right, because Abraham's dead. Focus now is on Isaac. What about Ishmael? Okay, so the writer records that Ishmael had 12 sons, who lived between Hivlah and Shur. They lived somewhere between Hivlah and Shur. Now, where is Hivlah, George? Well, that is in Mesopotamia, what would we would be known today as Iraq. So the descendants of Ishmael, basically Ishmael and his sons, Ishmael primarily lived in the wilderness of Paran, which is in Palestine, but his sons would go from him, and they would basically spread out over that entire area of what we would know as Arabia, okay? Arabia as well as Mesopotamia, which is the Iraq area and the Tigris and so forth. He lived, Ishmael lives to be 137 years old, then he died. So he lived to be 137 years old. So they're still living very long back then, okay? They're still living very long. Isn't it interesting? We're starting to live long again. Have you noticed that? You know, years ago, it'd be very common to have people die, what, in their 60s and their 70s. Now people are living a whole lot longer than that, okay? So here we're going to talk about this the sons of Isaac. We're going to talk about Isaac, and it's not that he had a lot of sons like Ishmael, but he did have two sons, and they are going to be significant throughout uh, the Bible. Okay? So Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as his wife. Okay? So he was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as his wife. All right? So... And that would be typical of when men married back then. Okay. Now the women typically were anywhere from 13 into their teens. Okay. Just that's the way it was then. Still is in some of those cultures today. All right. So Isaac, the problem is, is that he, he, he got Rebecca and she can't have kids yet. For some reason, she's not able to have children. So the scripture records that Isaac pleaded 
with the Lord concerning Rebekah, who was barren. So he pleaded with the Lord concerning Rebekah, who was barren. Now, why is it so important? You're going to see this throughout the Old Testament. Why do you think it's so, I mean, really important that you have an offspring, especially a male offspring? Why is that so important to these folks? Well, yeah, that has something to do with it, but that's not in general. In general, well, when they so they can be taken care of when they're older. Yeah, that's true. That's their social security. Okay, but there's something more than that going on here. That's exactly right, Donna. Because if you, if let's say, okay, Mr. Louder, if you had nothing but girls, what happens to the Louder name? Who does it end with? You. That's right. You know. Do you know what I'm saying? So you have this situation where, okay, so especially in Isaac's case, he's the child of the promise. He's been given the promise. He's been told, your descendants are going to do this. Well, now he's married, and she's not able to have what? Children. Now, when you get to when they have the nation Israel, and they receive the inheritance, the issue now becomes that there needs to be children to pass the what on to? The inheritance, the portion of land that God had given them. So having kids, and especially male kids, was really important. Really important, okay? Especially there. Now, and there are some cultures in the world today, especially Asian cultures, where it is so important to have a male child. Now, why is this so important? Listen, you're going to, when we go through the Old Testament, you're going to see several women where it's like trauma to them because they can't have a child. Hannah who is the mother of Samuel. She has to have a child. In fact, her husband marries another woman because she can't have a child. You go on, and there's Elizabeth in the New Testament, who is the mother of John the Baptist. Do you know what I'm saying? She didn't have a child until her old age. And it's a, the barrenness thing is a burden to carry, especially in a culture where everyone thought you might be the maiden to bear who? The Messiah. And you can't bear a child. So nobody's there to take care of you. Okay? So Isaac here, here he is, he's pleading with the Lord concerning Rebekah who was barren. So the Lord heard her prayer and she conceived. So the Lord heard her prayer heard his prayer, I'm sure she prayed too, and he conceived. She conceived. Holy cow. <laughs> oh. It's the humidity, I guess. I don't know. Okay. All right. So, but then here she is. She's carrying the child, but it actually ends up being two children. She's carrying twins. And the twins, according to the scripture, are struggling with each other in the womb. And I guess that would be pretty painful. Think about it. If you had were carrying two and they were like fighting with each other. You know what I'm saying? 
Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I can remember when Lori was just carrying our four and you'd see a foot, you know, sticking out a kick or something like that. Think about it, if there's a, a ruckus going on on the inside. That would be radical, wouldn't it? Okay. So she's like, what's going on? So she inquired of the Lord concerning the struggle of the children that she was carrying. She's like, what's going on, Lord? So the Lord informed her that she carried two nations in the womb. Two nations. Two children that were going to become nations who were going to always struggle with each other. Two nations. The firstborn was called Esau, and the second son was called Jacob. Now, it's interesting. Jacob, do you want to know what it means? Heel grabber. The literal word means heel grabber or schemer. Okay? He, and why? Because when Esau came out of the womb, whose hand was grabbing a hold of his heel? Jacob. So, and listen folks, they named you back then. What are you going to name your son? Well, let's see, my granddaddy's name is Bill. I think we're going to call him William. They don't do it back then. They do it based upon what's happening at the time there. What's this boy's name? He was grabbing that other boy, heel grabber. What a name. You know what I'm saying? Or like in Chronicles, Jabez, which means pain. What's your name? Pain. Do you know what I'm saying? That's not a, I mean, they would name you based upon what was occurring at that time. So, Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. Wow! He married when? Okay, do you think they would have waited to have kids like they do now? It took 20 years. Isn't that radical? 20 years. Okay? So, now we're going to talk, we move on, and we're going to talk about the boys' lives together, and we're going to get to the issue of Esau's birthright, okay? So I gave you a little note there in your Bible to talk about a birthright. Now, that's a little bit different than our culture. In their culture, and it's still true in some of the Mideastern cultures today, the a firstborn son was given privileges above the younger son or sons or younger children he would receive basically a double portion of the inheritance. So whoever the firstborn son is, he would receive a double portion of the inheritance. He would receive the most of the inheritance. Then what was left after the double portion was given to him would be spread among the other sons and so forth. And so basically it was a significant right to have from your birthright. Now, there are records in the New, in the Old Testament of guys losing their birthright. We're going to look at one here with Esau, but when with Jacob's sons, he had several sons who lost their birthright. So, for instance, Reuben lost his birthright through sin. He was having a relationship with one of Jacob's wives, so he lost his birthright. He was the oldest son. Uh, 
Simeon and Levi lost their birthright through violence, and we'll talk about that story later. So, therefore, the blessing of the birthright passed to Judah, and we'll talk about the significance of that later. So, the birthright was a pretty significant thing. So, Esau was out hunting in the field. He was a man of the woods. He could probably fit in in our culture here, okay? Hairy dude. You know, maybe he looked like Duck Dynasty, I don't know, but he liked living out in the woods. So he was out in the woods. And you ever get when you're out in the woods for a long period of time, you come back in, you're just famished? I mean, you would eat anything. You were just ready to eat. Well, that's, and, and, and the Esau was a type of personality where it's basically feast or famine, or he's also like, I'm gonna die! Have you ever met a guy like that? I'm gonna die! That's where Esau's at, okay? So he returned from the field weary and begged Jacob for his stew. So there's Jacob. He didn't hang out in the woods. He basically hung up around the camp. And he's cooking a stew. Now, he was cooking a stew of lentils. Now, what are lentils, folks? Yeah, just vegetables. Okay, so he's making a broth. Okay, you're laughing at me, Gene. Okay, anything from the ground to me is a vegetable. All right, so, well, anyhow, so... He returns from the field. He's famished. I'm going to die. And there's Jacob cooking a pot of lentils. Okay? So guess what? He says, give me some of that food. Hey, can I have some of that stew? I'm famished. I'm going to die. And Jacob says, yeah, I'll give you some if you give me your birthright. Think about that. Jacob obviously is a schemer, right? Like, hey, hey, you know, I'm hungry. Can I have a chip? Yeah, if you give me $100. Nobody's going to do that, right? Well, Esau did. Esau despised his birthright when he sold it to Jacob for a stew of lentils. For onion soup. Seriously. He sold his birthright. Now, this is why God hates him. One of the reasons why, because you'll read in the scripture, Esau, Jacob I've loved, but Esau I've hated. This is because of the character of the man, or for other reasons God chooses. But one of the things about his character is, is I mean, how serious, I mean, seriously, if you knew, okay, let's say Bruce and I are brothers here, okay? And Bruce is the oldest, all right? So Bruce is going to gain all the inheritance, all right? Whatever, he's going to get the biggest portion of it. I'm going to get the less portion. And daddy is Isaac, who's got lots, because he got it from Abraham. Okay? So you know that when daddy leaves, you're going to be set, right? And I'm going to have something, all right? So here we are, and Bruce is like, I'm on the field, I'm going to die. I can't picture him doing that, but he's... <laughs> Just try to picture, okay? And I'm like, well, here, here's some onion soup, Bruce. <laughs> Why? Because you know what that birthright is worth, right? Yeah, it's not a steak, okay? But what? Oh, beans! Oh, bean soup, okay? All right. Well, even if it's beans, all right? So seriously, either way, okay? But let's say. What does it say when you give up that 
for bean soup. It had no significance to him. What does that say? Yeah, that's it. it. It says a lot, doesn't it? About his character. I mean, you're like, I couldn't care less about what I get from him. <laughs> really? I mean, you're surviving right now because you're in daddy's house. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? So Esau despised his birthright and sold it to Jacob for a stew of beans. I'm sure they maybe had some onions in the beans, okay? So, all right. Let's go on. Now, we're going to move on to another story of the chapter 26, and that is that Isaac decides to, once again, take the clan down to Gerar. Now, remember, that's where his dad went. And remember, that's where his dad told a king Abimelech that Sarah was his sister, okay? Well, they end up going to Gerar again, and that's because a great famine, because of a great famine in the land, the Lord warns Isaac not to go down to Egypt. Okay, so the Lord tells him, okay, I know there's a famine on the land, but you don't go to Egypt. All right, you don't go to Egypt. The Lord promises to bless Isaac according to the promise given to Abraham. Now, why do you think he does that? There's a great famine in the land. He just said, I don't want you going to Egypt. The next thing he says, I'm going to bless you with the promise of your father, the promise of Abraham. All this land you see, I'm going to give it to you. Your descendants will be as as the numbered as, if you could number them like the, the sand on the she, seashore. Why would, he, why would he do that? Think about it for a moment. Why, why, why would he tell him at this, this point, when there's a famine in the land, he's trying to decide what to do, why would you need to be told this promise, that you're going to receive this promise? All right, so he wouldn't worry. Yeah, because you would be what? Worried. And he would be worried, not just because what am I going to eat, but he's got cattle. How? What are they going to eat? He's going to be wondering, and he's going to wonder, God, where are you? I've been told all my life there's this promise. Right? So, God shows up and says to him, hey, I'm with you. You're going to be okay. Now, don't go down to Egypt. I'm going to give you the promise of your dad. That's pretty significant. That would be an encouragement. So he ends up in Gerar, and he does the very same thing that his dad did. So because of fear, Isaac presented Rebekah as his what? Sister. Now this is a little bit different than what Abraham did. How's it different? It's not his sister. It's a cousin. I mean, they are related. They are cousins, okay? But the reality is, I think she's a third cousin to him or second cousin. But the fact is, is their cousin. He's just flat out what now? He's not telling a half-truth. He's telling a flat out what? Lie. He's telling a lie. Now, why would he do this? Where would he learn this behavior? His dad. Now, we have it recorded in Scripture that Abraham did this twice. I, I'm going to submit to you 
that the two instances that are recorded in Scripture happened before Isaac was born. I have a feeling that Abraham, this was just a regular thing with him when he moved into an area. And, and son learned it. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is something to be said about children carry on in their what? Parents' sins. Do you know what I'm saying? They carry on in their parents' sins. You know what I'm saying? They, what your weaknesses tend to show up, your weaknesses tend to show up in your what? Your kids, right? Your idiosyncrasies tend to show up in your what? Your kids. There's, there's even physical things that tend to show up in your kids, right? You know? Physical things. So like I remember, like the, I, I remember growing up as a kid and I'd always hear, you're a cannon. You're going to be gray headed by the time you're 30. Really? Now my dad, had black hair. He didn't have gray hair. And I'm like, yeah, right. I've heard all my uncles and aunts say, you'll be gray-headed by the time you're 30. Well, when I was 18, guess what started showing up on my head? Gray hair. Okay? And guess where I'm at now, you know? So, because of fear, Isaac presents Rebecca as his sister. Now, there's a king here by the name of Abimelech. You're saying, whoa, whoa, wait, wasn't there another king by the name of Abimelech? Yes, there was. It's probably this guy's dad. Or grandfather. Because kings tended to take the same name. But this is a different Abimelech. Okay? This Abimelech sees Isaac caressing Rebekah and realizes that they're married. So this king didn't take Rebekah as his into his harem. He just happens to be going by. He knows that there's oh there's Isaac and there's his sister. Whoa! The way he's acting with her, she ain't no sister. Did you know what I'm saying? And that's what was going on there. And of course. The king ain't happy. Okay. Now, do you think the king has heard the story about Abraham and what happened with Abraham and how God showed up and threatened to kill his daddy or his granddaddy? You think that story has been heard? Yeah. And he knows that this is the son of that man. So obviously God is with him. Okay. So Abimelech confronts Isaac and warns his people not to touch Rebekah under the penalty of death. Wow. That makes me realize that Abimelech knows what's going on here and who this is. I mean, it's one thing for the king to say, hey, look, just leave her alone. Don't touch her. But it's another thing for the king to say, you touch her, folks, you, you'll die. This, that's a death penalty offense. So the Lord prospered Isaac and the Philistines sent Isaac away because they envied him. Isn't that interesting? God starts blessing Isaac with lots of money and goods and cattle. And guess what happens? The folks that he's living among, you think they're appreciative of how rich and wealthy uh, Isaac is becoming? No. They're like, you need to get away from us. And you can almost hear what they're saying. You, you're, you're, you're making your money off of us. You're, you're, you're taking our, 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 our ground for our cattle and, and the reason why yours is doing so well because you're hogging everything and just get out of here. 
You could see where the thinking would come from. So Isaac came into conflict then again with the herdsmen of Gerar. Remember his his father came into conflict with the same herdsmen, with their descendants, about water wells. And these were water wells that Abraham dug. So remember when Isaac, when Abraham left Abimelech, he went out and wandered in Gerar and he was digging wells and the wells would be taken and he finally was able to dig a well and Abimelech said, okay, that's your well. Well, you know what? Abraham moved out of that area. What happens to those water wells? They get taken over by the people who live there, right? And if you're gone for like, think about it, we're talking 60 years. If you're gone 60 years and you maybe, your family maybe owned that well 60 years ago, but nobody's seen hide or hair of you for 60 years and all of a sudden you, You've taken it over. Who, who does it belong to now? Who do you think it belongs to? The guy who took it over. But so Isaac comes into conflict here over these water wells. So finally, Isaac dug a well and no one quarreled with him over it. So finally he moves to a place, he digs a well, nobody fights with him over the well. And he praises God. The Lord appeared to Isaac and reaffirmed the promise made to Abraham. So again, God's going to come to him and encourage him and say, look, I've made this promise to you. It's going to happen. Why? Because we need encouragement as we go along, don't we? You know what I'm saying? You need encouragement as you go along. Because it would appear, to be honest with you, God's came to him and said, look, it's going to, you're going to be all right. I'm giving you the promise. Don't go down to Egypt. Well, he goes to Gerar. Things are okay. He's prospering, but things aren't okay because he can't find a place to water. So finally, he finds a place. God's blessed us. God shows up and says, look, I am going to give you that promise. I'm going to give you the promise. So Isaac built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Now, here's what happens again. Now, when you're that wealthy, remember now, Abraham was kind of like a warlord. He had trained servants under him to battle. Abimelech, in the same sense, is realizing he's got this wealthy guy who who might turn if an enemy attacks, and so he decides he needs to make a treaty with who? With Isaac. So seeing the Lord's blessing on Isaac, Abimelech sought to make an alliance with him, which he did. He made an alliance with him. Now, at this point, Esau's old enough to get a wife. All right? The, both boys are old enough to get a wife. So, Esau gets a wife. He actually doesn't get one wife. He gets two wives. So Esau took two wives from the daughters of the Hittites when he was 40 years old. Now, who are the Hittites, folks? They are Canaanite people. Canaan people. That's not where God wants his children to get 
get his wives from, okay? So he took two wives from the daughters of the Hittites. And Esau's Canaanite wives were a grief to Isaac and Rebekah. They were a grief to them. Why do you think they were a grief? Because you would read that and you say, well, maybe they didn't get along with the daughter-in-law. Well, there's a reason why they didn't get along with the daughter-in-law. What do you think would be the number one reason why they didn't get along with the daughter-in-law? The gods they worship. That's exactly right. The gods they worship. Because the Canaanites, were they monotheists? Did they believe, did they worship the one true God? No. They worshiped Moloch and Baal and other gods, fertility gods. So, and with that worship of those gods would come practices that would be a grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Do you understand what I'm saying? There would be things that they would do as a part of their worship that would be a grief to them. So Esau's wives were a grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Well, now we get to the point where in Isaac's life, we're moving ahead a few more years. Everything's happening in, in years. Okay, so we're moving ahead in years. And we're going to look at the blessing of the sons, and that's where we're going to finish up today. This is where it gets really bad between Jacob and Esau. So, Isaac called Esau to himself and announced that he wished to bestow a blessing on him. Now, Isaac at this point is getting up in his age, and he feels like his eyesight is dimming, which comes, what your eyesight changes when you get older. He can't see very much anymore. He's old. He's just in a tent. They take care of him. He says, I want to bestow a blessing. Now, I, I gave you a note there of what a blessing was back then. This was something that was really not just a gift to them, but was more of a prophetic statement about what's going to happen with you. Okay, so he decides that he's going to bless his oldest son, Esau, who actually, if you read the passage, if you read this section of Genesis, Esau is his favorite. You know what I'm saying? His favorite. All right. So Isaac instructs Esau to prepare a meal made from game, and then he will bless him. He says, son, I want you to go out, and I want you to kill a deer, and I want you to prepare it, prepare that venison like you always prepared it for me, and when you bring me that meal, I'm going to bless you. Okay? Prepare me that savory meal. Okay? So guess what all Esau does? He just goes out, goes out in the woods hunting. Now, as is normal in a situation when you live in a tent, can people hear what you're saying? Can you carry on a conversation without people knowing what's going on? No. Rebecca overheard Isaac's intention for Esau, and she informs Jacob. She goes to Jacob and says, hey, you better listen up. Your daddy's getting ready to, to bless Esau. Now you do what I'm telling you to do. In fact, she instructed Jacob to deceive his father by acting like his brother Esau. Now we're going to deceive him. Now, of course, this has got some snags in it. When you read this story, it's got some snags in it because Esau is a hairy dude. And Jacob is pretty fair-skinned. So how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to kill this goat. I'll prepare the goat. And you put the skins of the goat on you so it feels like hair. 
I mean, it's and wear his clothes, okay? Because daddy can't see. So Jacob was to do this so that he would receive the blessing. This is quite a story. <laughs> Jacob is a deceiver, isn't he? He is definitely a heel grabber. Disguised as his brother, Jacob brings the meal that Rebekah prepared for Isaac. Except it's not venison, folks. It's goat. Okay? It's goat. And he brings it. Of course, Daddy enjoys the meal. So Isaac believes that Jacob is Esau and bestows a blessing on him. And you can read that blessing here uh, when you look in chapter 27. It's a pretty significant prophecy blessing that was bestowed. It starts in verse 27 of chapter 27 and goes through verse 29. Let me read it to you. Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you the dew of heaven, the fatness of earth, plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you Nations bow down to you, be a master over your brethren, and let your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Wow, what a blessing, right? So the blessing concerned prosperity and crops, and domination over other nations and his brothers. Wow. The blessing pronounced a curse on those who cursed him and blesses those who what? Bless him. That's a pretty significant blessing that's given there. Okay? And he thinks he's giving it to Esau, but he's actually giving it to who? Jacob. This is a prophetic word. Now, Esau comes in from the field with his meal for Isaac and discovers that Jacob deceived his father. So here comes, here comes Esau, he comes back. Daddy, I got your venison just the way you like it. <laughs> I'm ready for the blessing. And, and Daddy's like, who are you? It's me, Esau. Well, you were just here. <laughs> I just blessed you. It, and so, yeah, it gets real bad, doesn't it? I mean, this is, I mean, it was bad enough that Jacob sold a pot of beans for Esau's birthright, right? This is even worse. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? So he asked his father for a blessing as well. He's like, don't you have another blessing for me? Don't you have another blessing? And so we see that in verse 39. Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, behold, behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass that when you become restless, that you shall break his yoke from your neck. Wow, that is a different blessing, isn't it? Different blessing. So here's what's going on. Isaac pronounces that he will live by the sword and ultimately rebel against his brother. He'll live by the sword and ultimately rebel against his brother. Next week we're going to see the ultimate reaction 